welcome to the Mindful Creator Podcast. I live by the philosophy that good or bad, we create everything in our life. If you're listening, my hope is that this podcast plants the seed in your mind that you can be the mindful creator of your world and that you might be inspired to take action to create your best life by whatever learnings impact you the most. on the podcast today got Samuel Dean a good friend of mine who I've known for the last few years and he has been working on uh, what I think is a great business idea uh, for the last few years as well so I'm really excited to bring him onto the show and give you guys an insight into what he's been working on Samuel really great to have you on the show my pleasure really looking forward to uh, chatting to you awesome so look let's just uh, get started let's dive straight in um, the first thing I want to ask you is just tell us a little bit about your background because you work in e-commerce mm. and the business you're working in right now is heavily involved in e-commerce. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about your background and sure. what sparked your interest in e-commerce in the first place? Yeah, sure. So actually, I started off uh, many years ago at PC World. So I was uh, I used to run around in a big kind of superstore selling computers. <laughs> and what happened was that at PC World, I was the sales advisor. Mm-hmm. I had never sold computers before. Applied for a job, passed the test, got in, and I was selling computers to consumers. Yep. And what happened uh, was that this was about—I uh, forget the actual year. I think it was about 1998. Okay. 1999, and the internet was becoming this thing. So you have to imagine this is pre the internet in people's homes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and. AOL was considered the internet at the time and you would have dial up the CDs <laughs> would be on these computer magazines you'd take the CD you'd put it into your computer and then you know an hour later you'd have what was perceived then as the internet yep. dialing up with making all the noises <laughs> the good old days yeah <laughs> when, when things were a lot easier now at that time mm, the magazines were they had a new CD which was FreeServe. So AOL used to be like five ninety nine a month or nine ninety nine a month. FreeServe was created. Now FreeServe was the UK's first free internet provider. It used mm-hmm. to arrive on a disc, you download it in the same process, but it was free, and that was huge. PC World was owned by a company called the Dixon Stores Group, and the Dixon Stores Group created FreeServe. Mm-hmm. And at the time, that was the beginning of the internet really for the UK. Uh, where it was kind of mass access to everyone. Mm-hmm. So you were literally working just as it was Just expanding. as that was rolling out. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw that roll out. And people were coming into stores after this kind of free internet, please. They were asking, oh, can we have the CD for the free internet? Uh, <laughs> which was just amazing. And obviously, it being owned by the Dixon Stores Group, it could, it could distribute these discs, uh, the CDs, to all through their stores. Mm-hmm. So fast forward, uh, a lot of people... There were so many people working for FreeServe that the internet was expanding at such a rate it needed more people to work for it. Mm-hmm. So it went into the local stores and said, if you want to come and work on this internet project up in London, apply here. Yeah. So I applied internally and I was 21 years old. I moved to London and I was what they called a product manager. Mm-hmm. That is essentially, I was responsible for one part of FreeServe's homepage. So back in the day, there used to be big web portals. Yep. You'd go on there and everything like the news, weather, games, everything was in just in one place. Mm-hmm. 
and I used to look after one of the tabs called Free Serve Warehouse, which was discount shopping. So it's okay. all of all of retail's discount products that would list on Free Serve, and, and that's how I started. So I started at the age of twenty-one. Awesome. And then from there, after being a product manager, yeah, um, you've, I mean, you've had a really interesting background in terms of places you've worked and yeah. even positions you've held. So can you talk a little bit about how? That kind of evolved, yeah. and you went and worked uh, with Britvic, which is the yeah, company right. that owns J2O, yeah, um, and also right. the UK government as well, right? Yeah, that's right. So how did those come about, and how did you evolve, and what, I guess the the other question to ask here is, what kept your passion for e-commerce? Mm. What made you want to stay there? Yeah, so I, I live in a very, um, my mind is quite an aggregated mind. I'm always looking for solutions where it's one a one-stop shop. So for example, Google is a search engine. It has all the world's information in one place. Mm -hmm. Skyscanner has all the world's flights in one place. And from a very young age, you know, I used, my, my books of choice used to be the yellow pages. It was like, it was this crazy <laughs> thing, this big yellow book and all these things were in here. And it was all in one place. That's how we used to do it. Mm -hmm. So I've grown up and that's been my passion, as sad as it sounds, but I am a, I'm quite passionate about the way we as consumers consume information mm -hmm. and we do it through habits of aggregation so we live in an aggregated world if i to give you an example of aggregation if you think about something like whatsapp yeah if you if you remember a time before whatsapp you'd either be smsing someone or you'd be bbm messaging someone yep. or you'd messenger someone or you'd skype message someone there are all these multiple ways of messaging mm -hmm. you know but whatsapp what WhatsApp did is it just totally turned around and said, okay, it's this is one messaging solution, yep. and everybody can download it, and it aggregated that messaging experience. Mm -hmm. So back to your original question before I make sure we don't divert, is that I I was passionate about e-commerce, and I decided at that point that I wanted to work in every area of e-commerce. Okay. So that would be working for retailers, that would be working for manufacturers, that would mm -hmm. be working for uh, payments companies. And the way to do that would be to contract my way through. Yep. So I, the pinnacle of my career, corporate career, is I actually managed, I had a, a stint working for eBay. Yep. So I worked for eBay in their Richmond offices here in London, or just on the outside of London. And then after that, I started contracting because eBay was such good experience that that gave me the, the springboard to be able to get into other businesses. And then the last... The last thing I wanted to do was work for government. I wanted mm -hmm. to work in public sector to understand how a country is essentially run. Wow, so you've literally gone through all the phases. Yeah, of so e those payments, it was retail, it was um, manufacturing, distributing, like mm -hmm. you said, J2O, you know, Pep uh, Britvic are an yep. amazing organization. Uh, they licensed Pepsi here in the UK. Mm -hmm. And then the last kind of hurdle I wanted to do was government. So I waited and I, and I contracted all my way through. And then at the end of that, I had this experience. I had e-commerce from pretty much every angle. And then uh, as I was going through, I just kept seeing the same problem over and over again. Mm -hmm. And the problem was that it was the consumer problem. You know, Elon Musk is spending so much time making sure we get to Mars. But today, I cannot use any part of the internet to tell me, A, the price of one thing. Mm -hmm and B, everywhere that sells that. So it's an yeah. A and B problem. So I wanna buy a new red sofa. Mm -hmm. I, I wanna see all red sofas, and I want to see everyone that sells them mm -hmm. and what price they're at. 
Yep. I can't do that. We can do it in various states. We can go to Amazon, we can go yep. to Google, but most people go to seven different places. Why can we not go to one? Because we do that in every other environment. If we want to go on to the, do a search for something, we'll generally use Google. Mm -hmm. If we want to get a flight for a holiday, we'll probably use Skyscanner. So we'll probably use sites that, for one reason or another, have taken over that experience because there's just so much information. You don't buy, you don't check those flights in the individual flight carriers' websites. Yep. You check them through Skyscanner because it does one for all. Yep. But we don't do that for the thing that we do the most of, which is shop. Just general shopping. General, yeah. We don't do it. Okay. Because the reason we don't do it is because the accessibility to the information isn't there yet. So if you think about these companies, Skyscanner, Pinterest, uh, which is images mm -hmm. uh, and delivery booking.com these businesses have, they're only 10 years old and yet they're key dominators of their industry because they brought everything into one place into one place yeah and that's how we as humans take that shortcut we don't want to look at all of those different places so mm -hmm. as soon as somebody comes along and says hey here is one way into all this info we adopt that awesome and that brings me perfectly on to the next question, mm. which is, look, you're the CEO and founder of PriceSearcher.com. Correct. So you've just been talking about aggregation of mm. information. Mm. So just give us a little background on what is PriceSearcher. Mm. How did you decide that that's something that you wanted to make a reality? Sure. So PriceSearcher's mission is to aggregate all the world's prices and create an open shopping experience for everyone. And what that means is that through the price searcher search box, if you type in the fact that you're looking, for example, for a Casio watch, you will be able to see all Casio watches that are for sale, mm -hmm. wherever they are in the world. So if you're in the UK, yep. you're gonna be able to see that Casio watch from big retailers, small retailers, marketplaces, auction sites, classifieds mm -hmm. in one view. So it's one search, all shops. Yep. And that's what we're building. We got funded in January 2017 mm -hmm. and we've been executing on that ever since. Awesome. Now, if you can just expand on mm. the mission for the company a little bit more. Yeah. What's the what's the vision of it and how do you want it to impact the world like the other companies like bookings.com mm. or deliveroo mm. what's your um i guess what's your motive what what do you want to impact what do, how do you want it to have an impact on the world right now i want to create something that will genuinely make a difference to our daily lives it, it's my opinion that the one thing that we have not been able to do yet, which is one search all prices or one search all products, however you want to look at it, I want to create that. I want to give that to people because we don't have that. You know, you imagine you're in a store, you're in John Lewis, and you're just about to buy some Bose headphones, and mm -hmm. you're thinking, oh, let me just check the price. Mm -hmm. That is a painful experience. Yep. You can't do that. And everyone wants to do that. And everyone wants to do that. And the second thing on top of that is that Amazon and Google Shopping and all these places, they don't represent all retailers. Mm -hmm. They represent some of some. Yep. Amazon has its own retail. Amazon is a retailer. Mm -hmm. Google Shopping is all adverts. Yep. So many people don't know much of these things. 
So you don't have that yeah, you don't have that ability. You know, you should be able to take a picture of those headphones and find out automatically that picture represents these products and these yeah. are the prices and these are the other things that people bought and did you know you could find it twenty percent cheaper? Mm -hmm. If if these things matter. But essentially you don't have that experience. So the impact I want to make on the world is to give the biggest thing that we do online other than search for content is shop, is to give that an easier journey like Amazon has made it easy to buy yes very. I want to make it easier for you to search and discover okay that's it so I want to organize all of that and that's awesome because it's about I guess it's just refining that journey to make it seamless for everyone out there yeah. who first of all wants to buy something but secondly which is common for every single one of us is just to get the best price possible yes so some people will choose price over anything. Mm -hmm. But what you don't understand is that you're probably dark to about 50% of all the opportunities to purchase that product from different places. Purely because Google doesn't show you everything. Yep. Purely because your search can't see it all. Mm -hmm. And when you realize that you can, and there are so many places that sell these things and so many good retailers offering such good service and such good value. And the only reason they're not getting seen is because of a variety of technical problems mm -hmm. uh, and you know, financial barriers to entry. What if that didn't exist? What would the world look like then? Yeah. As consumers, what would the world look like? And what would the world look like for retail? It would mean that everybody's equal. Yeah. It would mean that we have we stand the best chance of finding everything that we want and understanding what price point we want to pay for it. Because mm -hmm. for some people, the cheapest doesn't matter. For some people, it's like, oh, there's a retailer near me. Mm -hmm. There's a smaller retailer up the road, I want to support them. Yeah. Or actually, that massive retailer's got a sale on. Mm -hmm. So these are huge things which we can't do yet. And it's the only thing we can't do. We can do everything else. So this is a sector for the last 20 years that's had no innovation. And ultimately, what you're talking about here is actually changing the landscape on how consumers view retail. Yes. What Entirely. I'm trying to give a consumer is trust. When mm -hmm. you, you know, you're going you're gonna to buy a present. You're going to buy a present for someone you care about. And you've decided with your money that you want to buy them a box of tricks. Mm -hmm. All you want to do with that box of tricks is find out the best place to buy that from yep. that suits your needs. Yes. And then what you want to do is see all the boxes of tricks for sale. Mm -hmm. And maybe there's, in maybe when you do that search, you're then saying, actually, I don't want to do, I, I don't want these these particular ones. Mm -hmm. I actually prefer those ones because of the discovery process you've gone through. Yeah. So it, there are so many decisions we make as a consumer but we are so poorly served by the internet for that decision-making process. I think that encapsulates it quite well, actually. Yeah. And I, you know, there is, you, you find me someone that doesn't buy something. There are, in 2018, there were 1.8 billion people that bought products online. Each of those products that were purchased started off with a search and not one of those searches started off in one central location. Wow. That's the size of the business problem. That's <laughs> the size of the technical problem. That's the size of the people that have got the problem. So it's like 
so you have to look at this differently. Like Henry Ford said, if I'd asked people what I want, what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. Yeah. So I've not asked anybody what they want. I've gone about solving the problem based upon what I have seen people's journeys be. Yep. And then I set about building a solution and then said, okay, here you go. Try that. Yep. And then you suddenly see people go, oh, holy shit, that's easier. <laughs> Sorry, I just swore there. No, no, swearing's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, but then they go, oh, I didn't realize. And then they go, oh, well, actually, one of my problems was that I wish all these things were in pl- one place. Mm-hmm. You have multiple tabs open. This this ends all tabs. Yeah. And interestingly enough, um, it's not something that anyone's ever really questioned either. And the experience that you've had, especially going through um, retail and then distribution and then even mm. going towards government yeah. to see how the country yeah. experiences online mm. behavior yeah. puts you in the perfect position to I think go so. about and I, well, I, I think solve I'm, this problem. Yeah, it's I'm qualified through experience. Yes. I'm not qualified because I've done it before. That's the distinguishment yeah. we need to understand is that people who want to solve huge problems don't necessarily need to be qualified in the problems they're solving. They just need to be qualified in the experience. Or you get the renegade mavericks that are just pot lucky. Yeah. Like come up with an idea and solved it. I've got no prior experience in this, but I solved something that nobody else wanted to. You raised an interesting point earlier on. You imagine your life. So delivery, we all understand. Mm-hmm. Life without delivery was pretty fine. Yeah. You know, I live up the road from my KFC. I thought nothing to jump in the car and go get it. <laughs> yep. But now the KFC can come to me for a delivery fee of a couple of pounds. Yeah. And when you come home from work and you're knackered and you've got three kids and a wife who's had a tough day handling the kids, all of a sudden two pounds is not that much to get the food to come to you, the food you love. Exactly. All my kids love KFC. <laughs> but you think about that as a problem that's been solved. So now we can not only just choose from the takeaway menus, we Mm -hmm. can actually go to the restaurants we love and have that food come to us. And that's a beautiful way of understanding how a tech solution has solved a problem that really we didn't have before. Yeah, We just had restaurants and we had takeaways. Takeaways only deliver, restaurants you can go and pick up. Some of them did takeaways. But it, it, it's it's an epic way of looking at a problem and solving it. Definitely. So, price searcher is free for everyone to use. Yeah, including the retailers to put their products on. Okay, and people can actually install that as a Chrome extension, so it's actively searching through yeah, the site. Yeah, there's two. There's, so whilst we're in the technical journey, there's, yeah. there's one very easy way. You just go to pricesearcher.com on any device, computer, laptop, Mac, mobile, mm-hmm. and then we created a Chrome extension because what we believed is that if you shop if you're shopping online and doing searches online for products you're after it would be great to know that whilst you're searching mm-hmm. something in the background is constantly checking the prices that you're looking at and letting you know whether they're high or low yep so we went on a a four week sprint to create this product mm-hmm. and it was great so we put that out and about you know, just under a thousand people have downloaded it, and that's brilliant for us to be able to understand what those people are doing and how they're behaving and how the and how the tech is performing. Mm-hmm. Not all the tech we produce is designed for a large audience. It's designed initially for us to test yep. and understand and learn. Yeah, okay. so we're quite iterative like that. And like you said, it's free for every consumer to use, yeah. and it's free for the retailers to upload yeah. their products to as well. Mm. So, could you give us an insight into how your business model works? Yeah, sure. So. You're very much like Google. 
all that information is gathered into one place, organized, mm -hmm. and then you as consumers go through that or people can go through that search box and type in and start consuming that content. Mm -hmm. And very much like on Google, you've got all of these listings that are there and then at the top you have adverts. Yep. And we're exactly the same model. Okay. So you have, you're looking for a Casio watch, here are all the Casio watches and sometimes retailers would like to say, actually, I would like to rise above that list mm -hmm. and I'd like to be seen at the top. Yep. You know, on eBay, they've got like bold listings and things like that. Yep. Ours is exactly the same principle. It's a pay-per-click model. Yep. So that retailer says, I want to go to the top, and they pay a certain price for receiving that click that we've sent them. Awesome. So it's nice and simple. Very it's simple. following a sim similar strategy to Google. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a vanilla strategy for search engines. Yep, and it works. It does. And I guess that's the that's the whole point it's something simple it's yeah. proven it works yeah but at the same time you're creating something that aggregates all information yeah. not selective information correct we do not we are not in any way biased to the information we aggregate if somebody is selling that product that has a right to be there and we don't bias the big names or small names it's this is generally an unbiased view which is really changing the scope of that retail environment entirely yes because yes. you're giving everyone a fair chance absolutely so if somebody is cheaper yep. they can see it if somebody's not cheaper it's visible and this is about the view awesome L I love that and moving on from that you're running a company right now mm. that is going through rounds of funding and Correct. all of that yeah what's it like what's that experience like of running a startup a tech startup going through the fundraising rounds like how does that work for you on a daily basis what's the impact to you the company all that kind of stuff so it's like eating glass <laughs> <laughs> so pleasure you can, yeah if you can imagine taking a glass out the cupboard not putting any water in it and essentially just being nourished by the glass through <laughs> through uh through chewing down on it then that's what that's like uh on on any given moment on any given day the other part of it is is you're living a dream. Mm -hmm. You've got to imagine that you have an idea and then somebody goes, I really like the sound of that idea, here's some money. Yeah. And then you are able to execute what your vision is. That's quite rare, mm -hmm. but at the same time, it can be a poison chalice unless you, you commit everything. Yeah. It is it's everything it, it costs you everything because those rounds of funding don't you know, funding doesn't just happen you have to go pitch of course and funding doesn't fund itself it, it requires justification at every milestone so mm -hmm. you get given some money you meet a set of targets to get the next money you pull that money down and then you're going for the next set of targets and essentially as tech startups we keep moving the needle to be able to get to the fundraising, to be able to get to the point that we are able to break even and then get to the point where we're into profit yep. with all of our products. So we have a standard business life cycle. Our product is tech. It, it is a, I am definitely 100% living the dream mm -hmm. that I put out for myself. Yep. But the, the stuff, if you do not love what you do, it's going to cost you because you have to do this over over a sustained period of time. Yeah. And it's hard. This isn't a short-term sprint. No, this is hard because every day you've got to go in and you've got to hit it hard mm -hmm. because you've got 
people looking up at you who have joined the company to work for what you're telling them is going to be the next big thing. Mm -hmm. Some people join for a job. Some people join because they need something to do. Some people join because they truly believe in what's going on. And some people join purely to work for someone who is leading a mission. Mm -hmm. It's quite inspirational. So I've probably got a whole room of people like that delivering. And then you've got to do it at pace because in this game, only the paranoid survive. You take one, you take one rest, one sleeping moment, one anything. You, you know, each fail has got to have its rise. Yep. And each success shouldn't be celebrated to the point where you've you've made it and you chill out. Yep. Each success is a box tick to the next to the next box that needs to be ticked. There's always another step to go. Yeah, and and you have to submit as a founder, as an entrepreneur, as a business leader. You have to submit to that work ethic. Mm-hmm. It's a hundred percent of your time, or nothing. Is my opinion. Yep. I'm kind of all or nothing. Which actually leads me on perfectly to the next question, which is, what drives you, motivates you, and inspires you to get up every single day, to turn up with this level of um, inspiration mm. to be delivered to your team, let alone mm. anyone else, because ultimately they're the ones helping you yeah. lead this mission forward. Yes, that's right. You know, I'm definitely blessed to have the team i work hard for them mm-hmm. you know people often talk about you know you've got to take time out to look after yourself I, I i i genuinely don't subscribe to that mantra the the thing that i believe is that if i look after the team in turn that is its own reward yep i'll be looked after by them mm-hmm. the business will be looking after me as long as i focus on these guys to my fullest uh the bit that gets me up so I wear my heart on my sleeve I don't I can only tell you what it's like for me yeah fear wakes me up okay fear because there is a huge responsibility and I've got to drive it to get it done that fear gets me going that fear that anxiety that that kind of rush is a dark moment but it drives you forward and if you don't have that fear of failure or fear of anything and then what is the driving force what is what is keeping you awake and like what is making you 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 can't be complacent so there's a mm-hmm. you've got to move forward because there could always be somebody else to do this yeah the other part is to remind myself that holy shit i've been given an opportunity to have a massive impact on my life and the lives of others mm-hmm. i may never get this again mm-hmm so if I look at the, if I fast forward my life and look back at my younger self, my advice would be, don't fuck it up. Yep. So that's, these are all the mantras that <laughs> I live by. I don't think, you know, it's the grind, it's the grit and determination you need, but it's no joke. It's, you've got to get up when it rains and you've got to do that commute when it's horrible. Yeah. And you've got to do the long days and the long nights and you've got to come home, you've got to spend some time with the family, then you've got to start working again. Yep. You've got to take every call until you are in that position where you're in control to the extent of the company or the life where it's really rocketing mm-hmm. and you can maintain that that rise mm-hmm. getting from A to the to B is hard as hell, man. It's hard yeah. as hell. Yeah. I, can, I can only imagine because mm. uh, obviously I'm not going through the same journey as you are yeah. but uh, massive respect for... Thank you what you're 
not just I guess not putting yourself through but what you're willing to go through that's the difference yeah. that's the difference it's not what you're putting yourself through it's what you're willing to go through yeah to see that vision come alive yeah and and be questioned yeah by it 100% and by everyone there's a set of belief there's a belief you have to have and there has to be a humility about how you approach it the ego has got to go the <laughs> everything has got to go and you've got to be open to the whole lot because if if you don't absorb information, you're not taking what people are telling you in. And even though they're not telling you the right thing or you think actually you're wrong for these reasons and you're justified and you're wrong or you're, you know, people have an opinion. You've got to listen to it. Yep. It really matters what people are saying and thinking about what you're doing because you can be too involved to the point where the bias is there. Yeah, 100%. There's a point, you know, I always like, I always generally people fall into one of two camps i find that you know you you either would have you the ipad's being created and the ipad had no usb ports <laughs> had nothing it was just a notepad essentially yeah. and that's what it went out there but everybody complained that there was no usb ports and yeah. they said these other tablets are better because they've got usb so you were either someone who would be complaining about the lack of USB ports yep. or you were somebody that understood the vision of what this actual product is <laughs> and you've got to work with both sets always so I've got to listen to the criticisms of the decisions I make but I my gut says that and that's my my qualifications for that gut experience are what are this yeah so you push your head through criticism mm -hmm. and you know you can't please everybody and, and that is an important part you've got to be open to that criticism yeah because it's there and when you open yourself out to it people come and tell you stuff that you won't have heard before or you're or they're too afraid to say mm -hmm. and that's where the gold is 100 percent. and that it could just be out of all the noise it could just be one sentence yeah that completely changes the game yeah and you think i didn't even think about that but because i had no ego and i had no filter i allowed people to tell me anything they wanted to hear mm -hmm. There's no point being surrounded by people who will tell you what you want to hear. You need to encourage what I would consider is radical candor. Mm -hmm. Tell me everything that's bad for me if you believe it's going to help me. Exactly. And then from that, you can use even the smallest amount of it yeah. to create the biggest shifts. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. I love that. And I love that mindset that you have of being open and yeah. dropping the guard, dropping the ego, just to be open. It yeah. doesn't mean you have to accept all of it. Mm but it's there for you to utilize it if necessary. Yeah, 100%. Awesome. So moving on from that, what would you say was the biggest challenge for you when you first started? And how is that different to the challenges you experience now? Challenge to when I first started. So I think the challenge when I first started was the challenge of, here's a load of money from a, a group of investors. Mm -hmm now go do what you said you were going to do yep and that's day one and you're like okay this is on mm -hmm. this is for real that's the first challenge yep and the challenge to where we are now hasn't really changed every okay. day i open up that office door and i'm like this is for real this yep. is actually happening you know, if I take time out to do something that's not productive towards that mission, if I go do something, I really need to justify that. Yeah. Because I represent 
a group of investors mm -hmm. who have invested in this concept yep. because they need a return. Mm -hmm. This is akin to, so I take it very personally. It's like if all your family that you know club together and give you an amount of money and say, look after our futures for us, we trust you. Yeah. Go do the right thing with our money. It's a big way. We on trust your in you. It's a massive weight. Because the minute you start spending it, the job is on to give it back. Yes. That's a huge weight. That's a huge mental pressure. Then you need to get to the next milestone and cup in hand go back and say, I need more. <laughs> and I need more again. And each process is about ensuring that every step you take, it is to be able to return that money mm -hmm. 10, 20, 30x. Yep. That's the job. So it is a, the relationship's very, very in sync. They want to invest money to get a return. We as entrepreneurs and founders are coming forward saying, give me that money. Mm -hmm. I'll return it for you. Yep. It's a very vicious cycle. One can't do without the other. But that's the game. Yep. And I think what's... The game of fundraising. Yes. And and building a business that requires it. Exactly. And I, I get it quite clearly from you that you definitely hold yourself accountable yeah. to the people that have put their trust, money, and uh, I guess their their hope for you. Well, for some so, people, it's livelihoods as well. Yeah. Right? This is everything they've worked for. And they've put it all into you. Yeah. And you know now it's your job to not only build the company mm. but return them back something yeah. as well yeah so yeah how was, free money exactly like how was that experience of actually going out there the first time and asking for the funds that you needed a you need to be ready mm -hmm. you need to have that pitch ready you need to know what you're building why and do and justify it through a number of different means You've got to be business ready, fundraising ready. That's its own education piece. Yep. From having none, never done it before. Just out of interest, how long did that take you to be ready? Do you think? Oh, I'm still getting ready. <laughs> I'm still, you know, that's a never done process. Each yep. each time you produce that presentation or the deck, the investment deck, it's an it's an organic process. It is constantly evolving. Mm -hmm. You need to change it because every investor you meet asks you a set of questions, and then you need to adapt your approach again for the next set of investors. So it's never done. Yep. But it is the most you'll find out about yourself. Because you can meet 50, people, 50 investors asking you a range of questions that A, are the same, and B, some would be massively different. Mm -hmm. And lots of criticism, again. There's lots of feedback that you might, you know, people are telling you what you believe and what you've built is not interesting. Yeah. Or some people are like, holy shit, this is amazing. I'm in. Let's do this. And then you need, then that's the momentum. Fundraising as a journey, it's a very well written subject. It's a very it's documented incredibly well. It's hard, hard, hard. And the journey of going through that and it, that's its own evolving process. Mm -hmm. In fact, you know, some of the things that I think some of the biggest tests in people's lives will be fundraising. You know, asking for money. It's not like asking money from your mum. <laughs> this all. is very different very different yeah a whole yeah. set of metrics to meet and a whole set of criteria to to uh, deliver against yep and then obviously the process of going back to ask for more once yeah. you've hit those milestones yeah that's right that's just kind of adding to the 
and into the belief that you need to instill correct into so the there's existing two mindsets there's the founder's mindset yeah the founder's mentality mm -hmm. and then there's the investor's mentality yep and each has to understand each other mm -hmm. and then you'll make a lot of mistakes but the successes you get are great because yep. you meet a set of like-minded individuals that want you to do well so they're there to support you yeah they're there to back you yeah but then you have other investors that are just placing money with you and they've never spoken to them since the first time okay and that's just their particular mindset some investors are like i'm in i'm on i'm hands-on mm -hmm. i'm in i want to check in with you once a quarter yeah or here's my money don't fuck it up catch you soon yeah give me, make sure i get my return yeah just give me my money back <laughs> yeah plus, plus 20 times more yeah 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 <laughs> give, give me back this money plus 20 20 x more and uh thanks a lot which is fair enough. I mean, Which it's is, just a yeah, different have personality to go out, type, right? You know, money's money, yeah. but you have to take it from the best possible sources yeah. if you're smart, if you're lucky enough to have the choice. Awesome. Now, how would you say that you've evolved as a person through the growth of Price Searcher? Oh, good one. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, <laughs> how have I evolved? I've definitely evolved without any plan. I think to answer what evolving or how I've evolved, the only way to answer that question is to understand, first of all, what is the, what does success of evolving look like? Mm -hmm. Have I evolved up or have I evolved down? You know, has he evolved out? You know, did he evolve and become stupid or you know, <laughs> did, he, did he evolve and become a great leader? The definition of success here, I don't know. Yep. You could uh, you could say I've had a modicum of success on the basis that the company is still going, it's still fundraising, we're still an attractive place to work and we're still delivering on the mission and our story is still being written. Mm -hmm. So I've evolved from idea to, as a founder, to a CEO, mm -hmm. and I would argue I'm, I'm on the right path. Yep. But I thought, in the evolving process, I thought more about understanding what I needed to evolve, and then I submitted myself to radical transparency. Mm -hmm. So you've got two: you've got radical candor, which is everybody telling you what you want to hear yeah. and and just speaking the truth about everything else, and radical transparency, which is I'm not going to protect or hide anything. This is who I am. Yep. All my feelings are laid bare. If I don't like something, I won't hide it on my face. I won't be fake about anything. Which so, is quite important from a leader perspective. Yeah, so that involve so that evolving process that we're looking at now is, is I di I didn't I didn't try and evolve. I I tried to think about what evolving is. Yeah. And find out what the markers for that is. And I definitely understood through reading a lot of things and speaking to a lot of people that think more about what it is you're trying to achieve. Mm -hmm and think more about the different ways of achieving it rather than having a laser focus yep. and ignoring everything. Got so you. we talk positively about laser focus a lot. Have one goal and yep. deliver it. Have one mission and execute it. So there's laser focus on the mission, yes. but there's not laser focus on blindsiding anything or any ideas or any thoughts or anything from anywhere else. Yep. You've got to take it all in, decide what's interesting, keep those good bits and dispose of the rest. But you've got to be open. So my evolving is really around, is is down to my exposure of how much of my how much of myself have I exposed. Yep. So that evolving can take place. People that don't evolve generally are are people that don't listen or don't think long mm -hmm. enough or generally close up. Yep. So I think evolution is because we allow things just to happen. We don't try and change too much. We kind of roll with it. Yeah. And I like what you just said, which is you're focused on the mission. You're laser focused on what your company 
is set out to achieve mm. however you're open to the process in which or the process that you might take on and how yeah. they might change yeah as the journey goes along so we have to remain agile in everything yep we have to move forward and everything and i operate very much on the kind of production line mentality mm -hmm. if we are always running a production line then that always moves forward yep and anytime that production line has a little blip we all get onto it and understand where did that fail how did it fail do we need to do any learnings from that should we be looking at whether that's going to happen again can we predict these failures mm -hmm. you know we really kind of split those atoms out and find yep. out what's going on so you just submit to constant change if somebody's got an idea i need to hear it yeah i need to hear it understand it take it on board maybe try it out and then decide whether that's good or not but mm -hmm. we we cannot be fit there's no fixed mindset there is a fixed mindset only applicable to that of executing the goals and executing the mission and ticking off the tasks on the to-do list. That is a fixed mindset. I am fixed on delivering this. Yeah. But I have not, I, I can't be fixed to uh, what I believe only. 100%. And it could be anyone in your team that comes up with a little idea to yeah. solve even the smallest Absolutely. Uh, blip or issue. Yeah which completely transforms that entire production line process it might streamline it it might make it yeah. more productive it, it could be anything yeah and, and i'm a fool if i don't listen because everybody's a consumer exactly everybody in my office buy something online exactly they're the perfect people to be challenging me and me challenging them it's not like it's not like we're working for a a company that we would never consume its products mm -hmm. we would never you know I, i'd be useless working for say snapchat yeah I don't, I'm not of that demographic. I I wouldn't have the same interest levels. Mm -hmm. So the contribution I can make there is not going to be as great as the contribution I can make to a company that is involved in something I'm doing. Exactly. And like you said, everyone's a consumer, even yeah. yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah, the yeah. CEO and founder yeah, of this yeah, company, yeah, yeah, but yeah. you still I, shop online. Yeah, I do. So I am constantly looking for a reason for Price Searcher to answer my problems. Yep. You know, I we often I often set myself the the bar of how how far away am I from the perfect product, and mm -hmm. how many steps am I taking towards that journey? I have to be my own consumer. It's like being a landlord mm -hmm. and never having lived in one of your properties. Yeah. <laughs> how are you going to know what 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 works for it? Yeah. The people that you need to rent it out for. Mm -hmm. It's only when you live in that environment and test it out and try it out yourself. Um. Yeah. You you got to eat your own dog food definitely. <laughs> okay that's awesome and the next question i have for you is for anyone else that might be looking to run their own tech startup they might have a completely different idea completely mm. different niche mm. what are some of the specific challenges that you would say as someone who's been through the initial phases mm. that they should look out for what are some of the specific challenges that they yeah. should maybe watch out for don't one of the first kind of things that comes to mind straight away is if you have a great idea and you think that an app will solve that problem a lot of people come up with an idea and think oh, okay no nobody's doing this is an app for this mm -hmm. so i'm going to create the first app for that yep. or or i'm going to create a website that does x y and z don't solve a problem my advice to you is don't solve a problem that will help your mum or your dad out or help your best mate out or help family out mm -hmm. because that's not enough if you're going to go on a journey and build a tech startup make sure you have understood the user problem what problem are you solving how will you solve it and why is this problem important to solve and are there enough people that have that problem correct that actually warrants it 
trying yes. to be solved. Now let's have a look at say Deliveroo. Yeah. Before if we, let's have a look at Deliveroo. Before Deliveroo, we didn't really have this problem. Mm -hmm. What Deliveroo did is came along and made something easy for us. Yes. So if we can say that okay no one if i ask somebody a question will this solve your problem and they go well no i'm fine going out on a friday night and you know i'm happy to drive to the restaurant or whatever mm -hmm. the question obviously is at that point is is there a business problem to solve will businesses work with you to mm -hmm. solve the problem because that is a bottleneck for them mm -hmm. if they want to reach more consumers and you're going to give them a potential platform for that will they work with you on that mm -hmm. so not all problems are staring you in the face so i think what i'm trying to say is you need to have fully researched your problem because the one thing about a tech startup is it burns a lot of money yeah and it's like building a house you've got to imagine you built you built this house somebody comes along and says actually i want that room from there to there now <laughs> can you make that bedroom bigger and you've just laid all the cement, you've done all the walls, all of it's dried, and now it needs to be knocked down fully to be and redone. extended or redone. That is the same as a tech startup. You have to treat it like every time you do something, there is a commitment into doing it. And you've got to see it through, mm -hmm. or you've got to stop at the right time and change your mind and make a decision. Yep. It's no different to building a house. And everybody says that the house that they've worked in or the extension they've done, if they had their time again, they would do it differently. Yes. It's a classic line. It's the same as tech. Okay. You've got to try and minimize how many times you will say that, that you'd, you know, if you did it again, <laughs> you do it all differently. You've got to really consider about that. But yeah, big number one lesson would be make sure you've researched fully. I've seen loads of startups and loads of ideas that are great, sound great, but in reality, the problem is not there or the problem isn't big enough to be a big company yeah. or to have a, a big mission. It might be great for the local area, but it doesn't. that does not mean that investors will want to invest in it. Yeah, because I mean, look, if you look at apps generally, they're not specific to local areas. Apps yeah. are available yeah. instantly all over. Yeah, and, and you've got to innovate quickly. Yeah. Another thing about tech is it innovate. You have to innovate it. You can't sit still. The best products in the world, the best tech businesses in the world, will lose their market position because mm -hmm. somebody innovated quicker, faster, harder than they did. Mm -hmm. And that that is something you need to be massively aware of. So definitely number one, research that problem fully. If it's not staring you in the face, try and understand, does this market need a solution? Mm -hmm. Will it genuinely help and is there enough buy-in for it? Then there is the problem of um, making sure that you understand what you're building to minimize the risks and to minimize the cash burn. Mm -hmm. And then I would say rapidly prototype. Yeah. You've got some money in your account, spend it, learn to burn your own money. Mm -hmm. It's a very, very good lesson before burning other people's money. Yeah, 100%. So I, 40% of everything I earned through all my contracting, my con my jobs, went into the development of Price Searcher. So I'd, I'd work during the day and then the evenings and weekends I'd be working again mm -hmm. on Price Searcher. But I was using my own money. So you really backed yourself first before you went out yeah, to yeah, raise to, finance? To, Three years of backing myself. Which shows the real kind of belief that yeah. you had. Well, I knew that if I was going to go and ask for money from fundraising, I needed to have either collateral to demonstrate who am I mm -hmm. and what what skin have I put in. Yep. And I can say, well, to get here, I've gotten this way. But th this is an important lesson. Spend your own money, no matter how much of it, so you understand and you feel that burn mm -hmm. personally. 
And second of all, prototype. Build something. Don't have the idea sit on a piece of paper. If you believe in it enough, build it. Try getting close to what we call a minimum viable product, mm -hmm. the first prototype. You could go to investors. Investors do come forward at that part of the journey where they just like to see an idea. Yep. They want to talk to somebody who's got an idea. They want to talk to somebody that's going on a certain journey and they're happy to kind of fund you a little bit on the way. Mm -hmm. But that's where the balance comes in. If you can fund a lot of it yourself and you can build it and prove it yourself, there's there's a lot more kudos in that. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot more, from the founder's perspective, a lot more of the company you hold on to for a lot longer. Definitely. Because at some point, you may own less of the company than you started with. Which is quite common. And then you have, then you feel like you may be working for a set of people, mm -hmm. which is sometimes from an entrepreneur's and the founder's perspective is not the ideal scenario. Yeah. You do it because you believe in yourself and you believe in the company and you want to lead it. You don't want to work for anyone else. Yeah. And these are the balances. Because the investors are very worried about how much of a company a founder has left. Yeah. Because why would that person carry on going? Yep. If I only own 10% of my company, what's in it for me? What's why, the driver? Why is the motivation? Yep. So there are risks. Some investors will not invest unless then the founder has a certain percentage of the company. Yeah, because you've got to have some real stake yeah. of your yeah. own. You've got to have a reason for going up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you own 1% of a company, uh, you know, it's not until you're at the other end of the scale that you look at the people I admire, like Jeff Bezos and mm -hmm. these people, they own, they own less than 10% of their company. Yep. But look at the journey they've been on. Exactly. That These are massive machines with huge corporate structures now. Mm -hmm. So, and the company's still moving forward. Mm -hmm. So it's until that point that that changes is when the questions get asked. Yeah. Awesome. And now you touched on this earlier uh, which was just you know you deal with a hectic day at work you come yeah. home you've got to deal with family and then you've got to take every call that comes in now you've got an amazing family I've met them personally mm. um, how do you balance that family life because I know you're a very hands-on parent anyway mm, but how do you balance <laughs> how do you balance that with the wife the kids but then at the same time building this other child of yours yeah, and I think the description is right. It's either another child or a second wife, depending on the, <laughs> depending day. On the perspective yeah, and the day. Depending on the day. Balance. I don't think today, today's thinking right in this moment, right now, where you sat with me now, I don't think there is a balance. Okay. I don't. What is balance? Balance is where you've got enough of one thing and enough of another, or you can achieve a kind of nice symbiotic relationship between multiple things where you're mm -hmm. just chilling in the middle and it, everything's okay. Well, screw that because that doesn't work in <laughs> in my book. Yeah. There's no balance. If you're trying to find a balance, you could say, okay, at the weekends, I'm not taking as much call mm -hmm. as many calls because nobody else is working. I'm not checking my email as much because I'm not getting that many. Yeah. So you can achieve balance by just saying, okay, I will spend today sitting with the kids, taking them out, playing games or heading to the park or doing those things. So I can do those things that I can't do on a Monday to Friday perspective. Yep. But if I had a phone call on a Saturday and somebody said, can you come see this person or this is a problem, I'm, I've dropped the whole lot and go. Yeah. So where's the balance? I guess it's more so of a juggling any, act. Yeah, you are just plate spinning or juggling, like you said. Yeah. And you have to be okay with that because that I am a certified workaholic. Mm -hmm. The problem is never not in my mind. What I'm doing on the outside is perhaps helping... Uh, my wife around the house mm -hmm. taking the rubbish out sorting the kids out mucking around with them these are all things that are just the output but the the brain is working on the problem 
there's yeah. always a part of you that's focused on price twenty four seven hundred percent twenty four seven. Yeah, it's, it, I don't think there's a balance. The balance, even going on holiday is not great because like the first two or three days you're just trying to chill out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as a founder, you're like, I've just left all the team. How am I going to cope? <laughs> so I think you're on a journey to get the balance. Yep. I don't think there any balance should exist now, especially at the phase you're in right now. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. In in that growth phase. Yeah. You know you've got to be prepared to do anything and everything and you know cut limbs for this thing mm-hmm. when you're in the kind of scale phase and then you're in that you're in that growth trajectory that gives you time off or yeah. time back then there's a balance yeah but you know different set of time different set of problems yep there's never there's no dif- there's no defined moment so i think you just fit new things in or you make more times for others yeah, there's a work-life balance. There's a work-life balance. Like, we finish at a decent time. Yeah. So I've got two really great things on that happen. I respect life, and I respect the people that work for me and their lives. Mm-hmm. So leave home at a decent... Leave the office at a decent time. Go be with the family. Go yeah. do what's mag- is important to you. Every Wednesday... I mean, we don't have much money as a startup, but every Wednesday, we all get together and have lunch mm-hmm. together. And every Friday, we have something called Flexible Friday. Yeah. So on Friday, you can work from wherever you want. That can be at home... And then that means you've got a bit of nice balance to be able to nip out. One of my guys has got a newborn, so they're, okay. they're, they're doing all the nursery viewings on a Friday. Yeah. So they'll go out, do the nursery viewings, then come back and crack on. Or some people are like, you know, I've got, I need to do this, sort the kids out. Life happens, and I respect that time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a flexible Friday, which gives people that chance to just get some other stuff done, and it really helps productivity. Definitely. And I think from your perspective as well, being someone who's a husband, a dad, and a founder and CEO you can really adjust how the company culture is yeah so that you know you understand what would make you happy if you were working for someone in the same yeah. same space with yeah. maybe similar commitments yeah I've worked with some great people but I've definitely worked for a lot of assholes <laughs> and I know from that experience again that qualification of experiences I know I know how I felt yep you know, I've interviewed multiple times for companies, so that, that shapes the way we treat our candidates that mm-hmm. apply to us. I've worked for a load of idiots, so that shapes how we think about what sort of direction do we want to take when it comes to leadership yeah. internally. And also, generally, getting stuff done. We've all worked in high-pressure environments, but we all know when we've excelled and when we've not. Mm-hmm. So, I think the balance is you just find things to get in your day mm-hmm. or in that 24-hour period that matter to you to achieve the goal of a total husband dad and founder mm-hmm. and you're balancing all of that all the time you know you, you're just more of this one day less of that the other day it's yeah. yeah there's no kind of like switching off as such which is which is um, good in a way because i guess it's a constant juggling act that keeps yeah. you very aware yes all of the time as yes. to where you're spending your time yes time is finite as we know yes and i guess you're just prioritizing how yeah. and when yeah. you're spending what time correct I mean I've got my core hours in the office yeah but you know morning and evenings is dedicated to all of it yeah. in various forms you've got to live you've got to live in a world of chaos yeah because shit has got to be kicking off everywhere definitely and you need to be putting fires out or starting them and that for me is the stress of the whole job mm-hmm. but I would have it no other way it's a it's a it's a lonely path. Being a founder is a lonely path. Being a co-founder is less lonely. But they are they're huge mental strains. We talk a lot about mental health in founders. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot about mental health in, in high pressured environments for managers. Yep. 
we have to respect that process and understand so we have to express we have to respect not the process that the fact that this problem exists yep and um i am by no means a success mm -hmm. i'm lucky enough to have been given the opportunity to get on this journey and i need to whip it as hard as i can and i think that that what you've just said right there really puts you in a in quite an incredible space in your own mind yeah. that although you've raised a significant amount of funding yes and you've gone through th you're in your third round I'm right now i'm doing my third round now yeah yeah so you've raised a significant amount you've yeah. hit key milestones mm. and you still choose to see yourself at this stage of do you know what this isn't really there yet yes i'm still growing yeah whereas you know like you said you don't celebrate too much for the little wins yeah we'll, we'll have a high five we'll pop out and have a team dinner yeah but then it's back to work Amazon is really great. It refers to itself as a day one company. Mm -hmm. The minute it starts thinking of itself as anything else, it means it's it's taking a chill. Yeah. You know? And that culture is really great. You know, at Price Searcher, that mission means everything. Mm -hmm. And the definition of success is not that we've returned our money to the investors. Yeah. It's the fact that we've changed a significant part of a habit that the internet has through consumerism and that we've been able to make a contribution to that to help retail and mm -hmm. to help consumers do things better so you could argue that unless everybody's using this we haven't done our job yeah and the distance from that to where we are now is so great that we can celebrate our milestones mm -hmm. but what's next and that's what keeps driving you every yeah, single yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, We don't do any kind of like celebration benders. No, 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 no. It's not done yet, man. This, seriously, this is hard work and you don't want to do this unless you're absolutely two feet in and all the way up to your eyeballs. In. Yeah, you've got to be all in. Yeah, yeah. If you're not all in, if there's not enough of you in this, it'll show. So you talked a little bit about uh, failures before. Mm. So what are some of the biggest failures you'd say you'd had you've had in your journey so far and yeah. how have they really pushed you to grow and evolve but also get get you into that space where you really had to pick yourself up again yeah so I think failure is part and parcel of the job we do either whether it be in life whether it be in business so mm -hmm. you, ha you, ha you have to enjoy that dinner of failure and you're going to kind of want to eat it every day so if I'm going to eat this every day, I'm going to make it as pleasant as possible. Yeah. So you just have a good attitude towards failure. You don't let it. You don't get beaten up too much over this mm -hmm. thing. Do you almost expect it? Yeah. I have to look for it as well. Yeah. Failure is a sign of uh, testing. You know, if, if we're trying a hundred things and we're failing at eighty of them, good. It means mm -hmm. that we, we we definitely haven't released anything out to consumers that's just going to tank. Yep. You know. If if we get to a, I think it was Apple's philosophy, which is or, or or maybe Twitter's, I can't remember whose, but it was a great one where they said, you know, we are equally proud of the things that we didn't put out there, yeah. which means we created enough concepts to fail, and we're proud of those failures. So that's a glamorous way of dressing up failure, mm -hmm. but essentially failure sucks. <laughs> but you can look at it in the sense of okay, failure is a way of understanding why something didn't work mm -hmm. and then some and then 
you know, I often talk, um, you know, I, I probably say quite a lot in the podcast, like submit to the learning, mm -hmm. submit to the learning of what failure has just saved you from. Yeah. So failure saved me from making a drastic decision. Failure saved me from putting out a product that was crap. Failure saved me from a bad pitch. Mm -hmm. So those failures that you get, they'll save you and they'll save your ass on the next time you get. It's if you don't listen to that process, it'll, suffer, it'll mm -hmm. really, literally kill you off. If you are addicted to failure because of uh, you're just not listening, mm -hmm. then failure is just going to be with you everywhere. There's got to be a healthy appetite towards failure because you've got to be, it, it's a definition of output. Mm -hmm. How hard are you failing right now? Yep. And what did you do with the failings? So my personal failings have been that where I've opened up my, my whole soul to say, okay, I'm on this mission, I'm going to go and execute these problems. I'm going to execute them this way based on my learnings. I have, I have listened to so much feedback that I have been swayed off certain decisions yep. that I've regretted. Mm -hmm. so there's there's a there is a reminder that you are a founder for a reason because you have a gut feeling so trust your gut test the theories test the principles on it repeat that process over and over again take on feedback but don't let the feedback stop you from going down a path to getting somewhere because I, I think I, I made a mistake where I wanted to execute a certain idea I wasn't worried about the failure mm -hmm. but I got put off executing it through feedback and essentially in a way peer pressure yeah to not do it and I didn't do it and that's a failing that's a really bad failing yeah I should have just exercised it out even if it's the wrong thing to do mm -hmm. sometimes you're talking to someone you can cut them off mm -hmm. and that person cannot rescue themselves back in that conversation until they've said their piece they've got yeah. to say it you know some people will just have to say something get it off their case even if it's wrong they've just got to finish saying it yeah I think I'm one of those. I just need to get it off my chest and then the, the whole context is delivered. Then you can give me the feedback. Yeah. And I, and I, and I, and I have not done that as much as I should have done in the past in certain areas because you're trying to run, a, you're trying to get this thing at a thousand miles an hour. Yep. You're launching a rocket. And some people for various reasons will give you feedback that is designed to push you forward mm -hmm. or stop you. Depending on their intent. Their intent. You've got to be, you've got to have a good radar for intent. Mm -hmm. What is this person telling me and why are they telling it to me? And what is their goal with that information? And you've got to have a, a, a gajillion filters on that. Yeah. And I think that that point that you just touched on really, really comes from the experience of actually being shot in the foot from people who might have had malicious intent or intent just to not serve you in any way or form and the first couple of times you might not actually be accustomed to that yeah so it's gonna actually hit you quite hard yes so what would you say is your advice to pick yourself up from that again the mission just reminding yourself of why it's you started. all about this mission. If you are a founder and you have a mission, the mission will pick you up. If your mission isn't strong enough, there's no reason to sort it out. It could be that you are 
fearful of your own failure. Mm-hmm. So no matter what happens, you're going to hit that nail into that wood with a spoon because <laughs> you cannot be swayed otherwise. Yep. Or you're going to try and use your hand because you started with your hands, you're going to finish with your hand. Yep. Even though it makes no sense, your hand's fucking dying, it's bleeding everywhere, <laughs> and the nail's going through your hand, and you're not actually hammering that nail in at all, you're still going to go for it anyway. Yep. Because you started. You're going to deal with the pain. You're going to deal with the pain. And the embarrassment, you don't want to be embarrassed. You'd rather, you'd rather execute it than stop and reevaluate. If you're a founder, and the right type of founder, your mission will supersede everything mm-hmm. it's your purpose it's your goal it's your everything it's it's that higher purpose that keeps you moving forward and if that higher purpose is big enough because you've created it you're not going to let it down mm-hmm. and that higher purpose is self-fulfilling it will get you out of bed when you're ill it will get you out of bed because you've got to get shit done yeah it'll also send you to bed so you get enough rest to wake up the following day mm-hmm. it will do everything for you so without that purpose, which I define my purpose inside my mission, without it, I'm nothing. Yeah. Literally, I'm nothing. I, I, if I don't have the next thing to do from a purpose perspective, then I, I fail really to exist as a normal person. Mm-hmm. So the purpose will sort you out. So get a mission, believe it, and that will sort you out. If you don't, if you are not responding to the mission it means you've lost faith in it so you may as well it's like you know it's like saying I don't like that brand of tea anymore yeah you just stop drinking it altogether mm. you've got to you've got to treat it like it's all I'm probably using bad examples but I, I'm trying to distill it down into something that somebody can understand I hear what you're saying it's almost um, the vision has to supersede all else because yeah. that is what's going to drive you every single day. But if at any point you really don't feel that driver behind the vision and the mission anymore, yeah. then I guess the real question is, was that the right vision for you in the first place? Yeah, that's it. So you can go through, tr- founders can have multiple visions and mm-hmm. multiple missions, right? You know, you, you've got serial entrepreneurs. Yep. They'll go from one thing to the next, but it's very important they go from one thing execute finish it then move on to the next yes some people are lifelong mission people that will just execute one thing incredibly well and make that an all-consuming element Mm -hmm. so you've got people like richard branson who've got multiple missions Mm -hmm. they move on they move on they move on that's just their mindset that's how it works they're moving on after execution it's focus move on focus move on you know and then you've got people who are one company their entire life but that company is so dynamic like Apple, it's so dynamic. Mm-hmm. It's got so many uh, angles to it that eat. There's so many. They're, they're, you know, Apple is individual companies in its own products, so it's so big, it's all-consuming. And sometimes it's different things for different people. But you have got to sit there and you've got to look into the future and decide what you want your column inches to say. Mm-hmm. And you've got to decide whether this is something that means something to you. You know, it, it's it's very natural. It, it will sort itself out. The mission will. Uh, the mission is such an important part that unless you are able to articulate that mission, 
Like some people will say some shit that can is confusing as hell because they don't understand it. Yeah. It's not that the person they're telling doesn't understand it. There is a there's a technique created by an individual called Richard Feynman. Mm -hmm. And he said, explain something to me like I'm a two year old. Yeah. If you can't do that with pretty much everything you're working on from a consumer based perspective, it's gonna blow up and die. There's just no point. No point. So you've got to create the mission around that kind of principle that I can explain it to a two-year-old. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the simplicity in it. Yeah. I mean, look at look at every one to two-year-old. Give them a phone. Do you ever see them asking for instructions on how to use YouTube? No. No. They just know how to use it because that product delivers in a way that they can understand and work and they evolve their experience of it and their, their hands-free. I've never explained YouTube to my kids. And yet they know exactly where to go on the iPad they or the phone. They can change it. They can change the video. They can pause it when I want to talk to them. They can, they can do everything. They can get. They can watch a video, get rid of it, whilst choosing the next one. I didn't teach them any of that. Mm -hmm. So that 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 mission there to have an environment or a product to consume videos in, and the way that we consume them and the way that we discover more, is so epic that nobody needed to learn or be taught or have instructions. Mm -hmm. So that's a way of looking at a mission. Yep. And how that mission drives decision making. So it's quite interesting because we were talking about failure and how to pick yourself up from it and yeah. purpose is the answer to that. Your mission is the answer to that. Yes. So a question for you now is how did you know that price searcher was your purpose and or a better question, when did you figure that out? Was it after all of your experience and you were like, okay, now I've got enough and I'm going to follow through on this thing and this is my purpose now? Actually, no. Or was so it before? I discovered the problem in 2009. Okay. I didn't do anything about it until 2000 and um, maybe four or five years after. Okay, so around 2014 -ish. Yeah, ish. And the reason I did do that was because I said to myself, I found a problem that I want to solve, no one else is solving. If I run into this now, I'll fail. If this problem is still here in a few years' time, then I've got then I'm ready. Which means between now and then, what's the distance from me getting ready? I need to go learn e commerce in every angle it exists. So that's my question. So was it at that point in two thousand and nine when you realised the problem? that you decided I'm going to make this my purpose yeah. and something in you felt aligned and in flow and mm. that's what drove you yeah. to then go and get the experience that you had Everything I yet. did about executing price search was flow for me. Mm -hmm. Every dark day, every good day, everything was just a flow moment. So it's like if you want to open up a restaurant, mm -hmm. the best thing you can go and do is go and eat in shitloads of restaurants yep. to understand that and then decide what works and what doesn't work. It's like an apprenticeship. Mm -hmm. That was my apprenticeship. I'm going to launch Price Searcher. That's my vision. That's my goal. I want consumers to do this. So between that, for me launching it, I need to go serve my apprenticeship. Because launching a business, getting funding and doing that shit is its own apprenticeship. Yep. And I don't have any family above me that are, have been in business. So you're the first one. Yeah. In, in my loop of people. Yeah. And I definitely have no people on my periphery vision that are doing it either so the best thing you can do is work for as many people as possible get all that experience in hone your crafts 
as many as you can continually test your theory about the mission and then do it if you just jump in and do it without any apprenticeship then you're going to cock it up yeah some apprenticeships can be that you've worked for a company and you've found a better way of doing it so you know exactly what to do yeah. but the fact that you've done that work for that company and you've chosen to re you know chosen to launch something within that sector then you've already served your apprenticeship yeah there's your qualifications but i hadn't done that i i thought this would be a great idea but holy hell i've not i've not even done anything close enough to what would be required to sit there and demonstrate to someone that i'm going to be able to prove to you why this is going to work yeah because back in 09 you were kind of getting started or warming up yeah yeah e i was i was in i was kind of you know round four of a 12 round fight yeah which you know about yes i do <laughs> so there's no point me you know i i'm not going to be able to get to the 12th round without doing all my prep my round work before you know that's why you the knockouts only come because of extreme prep and prior experience mm -hmm. if you're a first-time fighter and you knock someone out i'd argue that's luck yeah definitely and would you say that that changed your mindset in the way that you went for these other roles in contracting as well because you weren't just going for the roles like yeah i wasn't going people... yeah i wasn't going for the roles to get the job to get the money exactly you were going in I'm for in a completely there, different like, reason well, i'm in there like what the fuck's going on and i want to talk to everyone and you want to learn absolutely everything i want to talk to i want to talk to everyone i want to learn everything i want to know what's going on that was that added value a to the company and b to myself mm -hmm somebody wants everybody wants people to work for them that are engaged yeah i was like on i was on crack when i was working for these companies i was <laughs> well in there yep. high on what they were doing i was all over it and then my you know when you do a contract you always know your end date mm -hmm. so i had like three to six months to just get in there find out what's going on and they love that because holy shit you're really interested in you can be you can be straight with people i'm here to i'm here to solve your problem but i'm here to get right under the skin of the the, the whole thing yeah so yeah 100 percent. this was a path i i knew what i had to do and i knew that i had to execute in all of these areas before that otherwise anything any bit of work i missed out was me trying to kind of skip the queue yeah so you won't be able to skip the queue all the time right? well if you, you go luckily one or two yeah and if you go back to the whole house um analogy yeah it's like skipping out the foundation it's like skipping out cement on some layers of bricks yeah which ultimately will crumble at some stage yeah if you haven't gone and done the due diligence and the work yeah, to build yeah, that foundation the whole thing solid yeah you know and don't the you need to be careful of what you ask people or you ask golf people mm -hmm. try and be as honest as you can try and be as transparent as you can it's it's such it's so much more endearing for people to want to work with people that they think have got no agenda mm -hmm. you know if you do have an agenda like mine was i had an agenda i want to learn everything about this business to help me on the next part mm -hmm. people will help you yeah people are like okay let me show you this guy let me show you around here let me show you around. i'm like okay great that's what's just awesome i think we're inherently designed to actually be of service and of help to other people when they genuinely ask for it yeah and i think that's something that's quite uh there's a big misconception that yes. if you go and ask people for help yes that they're not going to give it to you or there's going to be yes. some malicious intent or something yes but i think if you just look at human beings 
fundamentally mm. we want to help other people yeah i agree with you we are we are we have selfish needs which we find ways of meeting but the selfish needs can be met through help exactly yeah through helping someone and mine was a selfish need i i had a selfish need to get price searcher to mm -hmm. to launch but i declared that self-interest which was of mutual interest to that company and they said well, okay well you know i like this because a you're being transparent and b you want to know everything i'm really happy to teach because not everybody gets the opportunity to teach or, t or share some knowledge with you i think the fundamental lesson from that is if you ask for that help mm. you'll find it yeah but if you don't actually ask or if you're not upfront or honest yeah. about your intentions yes then it will always feel like a struggle yeah. to get that next yeah, you know, bit of you, help. If, the worst feeling is when you're working for someone, or sorry, the worst feeling is when somebody works for you and you just think they've got another motive. Mm. You really feel like every day you need to come home and just shower after you've spoken to them. Yeah, you, you, It's like that. And if there was a transparency everywhere, and that's what I've tried to create as much as I can at work with the people I work with. Mm -hmm. Like if you're here to learn and then you're going to leave in a couple of years. It's like I got... Like I'm not stupid. I can see it across your CV. Yeah. Every year you've moved. Every two years you've moved. Okay. So I just expect that. So just come here, do me a good two years, and off you go. Yeah. Tell me what you want to learn. If I can, those goals align. Great. Yep. And that person's there to help build you up in that yeah. two years. Yeah. And you're yeah. there to help build them up yeah. in those two we, years we, as well. We shouldn't be emotional about people who come into our lives and leave. We yeah. should actually look at these as opportunities to learn from them, to for them to come and learn for us to help us progress. And then they can go on and fulfil their ambitions exactly and leading on perfectly because i wasn't actually going to talk to you about this but mm. you brought it up in talking about failure and purpose mm. you were lucky enough that in 2009 you realized that there was a problem and that you wanted to solve it and you were also aware enough to realize that you hadn't quite got the knowledge that you needed at that mm. stage to just mm. jump into it mm. so you went on that journey you got the knowledge and then you were like okay well, i learned that through failings which right so yeah that's failings which is yeah which is how everyone learns it's the yeah. failures that allow you to then not go and make that same mistake again yeah my question for you is regarding purpose mm. for anyone listening that may feel like i don't have a purpose or mm. i haven't found it yet mm. what would you say as advice to them on helping them find something that drives them the same way that price searcher gets you up in the morning completely off the fly yeah it's fine so you look at it from a few angles one of the first angles that comes to mind is why do you think you need a purpose mm -hmm. in the sense of why do you think you need to be a founder is it just a dream to run your own business if it's just a dream to run your own business save some money go set up a franchise and run a subway mm -hmm. you can be your own boss if it's financial freedom there's paths to get that you just perhaps don't care what what paths needed to take to get financial freedom mm -hmm. if you don't have a purpose but you want one that in itself is its own anxiety you're going to make a mistake because you're looking for, you're, you're at that point you are wide open to being pitched other purposes yeah so first of all establish why do you feel you need a purpose what is funnily enough what is the purpose of that purpose <laughs> yeah if we can get our head around that what i'm trying to say is what is it you're a trying to achieve for yourself work back i think mm -hmm. i said to you i don't know all the answers but i think that's what the case is 
and for those that are looking for a purpose. So let's say you've ignored everything I've said and you're looking for a purpose. I just need to find a purpose. I've got to have a purpose. I need a mission. I'm going to just do loads of stuff and mm-hmm. whatever it is. Then the best thing to do is just do loads of stuff. Just be involved in everything that you can see. Yep. Try and look at the world as a problem to solve and everything that you do in your day, get in the habit of thinking of better ways of doing it. And then when your brain starts firing up these neurons and these little electrodes, you know, these little electric currents around the brain that are whizzing <laughs> around, if you're constantly looking at solving problems, so I can be really specific. Mm-hmm. If you're lost and you feel as though you need a purpose and without that purpose, you're not much and you don't know what that purpose is going to be. The one practical advice I've got is... <laughs> it's going to sound really daft, but this is for people who are really not sure what to do mm-hmm. or where to go or what, what the hell to Go work in a business or work for someone in the evenings and weekends outside of your current day-to-day job. So you've got this day-to-day job, you know it inside and out. Mm-hmm. Go do something completely different and commit to something completely different for a week, a day, 10 days, two weeks, a month, whatever it is. But it has to be an alien thing to the one you've been doing already. Something completely different. Yeah. So i.e. you work in an office, you've got a nine to five, come out of that and go work in a gym, go work in a leisure center, go work in a food outlet, go yeah. work somewhere else that is completely alien. First of all, that will just provide you with diversity. Yeah. That diversity will trigger new things for you. Mm-hmm. Like people say, you know, go a different way home sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's just diversity in the thought process. If you can get the diversity in the thought process and when things start to change, you'll only meet some new people and you'll see how other people are solving their problems. Then you're firing on some new cylinders of, okay, I'm awake. I'm looking at things. Then you need to be consciously observing processes and operations around you. Mm-hmm. So if you have a think, why do I, why am I solving this problem? It's because I looked at the way something was being done and thought it could be done better mm-hmm. or thought it could be done different. So if you know this job nine to five, then go work and do something else or in your nine to five, analyze what's going on. Yeah. Look at everything that is happening and existing in its normal state of flow and then ask yourself, what minuscule change can you make and that becomes the stepping stone to starting to think about things because essentially founders are built on the purpose of solving a problem yep it's not about money it's nothing to do with wealth it's nothing to do with luxury lifestyles or any of that crap those are the byproducts if you're smart and lucky you're designed to solve a problem. So if we distill a purpose down to what problem am I going to solve, then the task is simple. Hey, you want a purpose, you want to solve something, then you need to still start solving shit. Mm -hmm. From where we are now to your journey home, what things could you have solved with your journey home? You're at work tomorrow, during that night, eight hour day, or however many hours you work, what things could you have done differently or what what new things could you add to make someone's life easier at work? Yeah that opens the door to thinking differently the only way that you will find a purpose in my opinion with my limited experience 
is by thinking differently about the world around you. And then something in that journey will create enough inspiration for you to want to solve something. And that solving of a problem can come from anywhere. Yeah. And it's just really just about observing an environment that you're in. Be awake. Be awake. Make observations. It's like a reality TV series. Mm -hmm. Look at your own life and look at the people in it. What's going on? Very simple process. Like, okay, that person files that paperwork from over there, from here to there. Okay, could that journey be easier? What steps can I take out? Generally, most founding businesses are because they've solved a problem and made it streamlined and made it easier. And people switch from one thing to another because it's easier, Mm -hmm. generally. And in today's world, where the attention span is a lot smaller, how much how much of someone's life can you just make easier? I don't want to digress too much. It's a very deep subject. It's quite a lot of facets to it. Definitely. In a nutshell, just do something different, pay attention to what's going on, make a few notes, and somewhere in that journey, what you're meant to do will emerge. And then fail at it day in, day out. Until something clicks. Something will click. And you'll start getting some momentum. Purely in the basis that you are out there, something will happen. Yeah. It's exactly at that point where you are failing, where others will give up, is the time for you to actually stick at it and dig in and go for it because then success is around the corner. If you don't do anything and you question constantly, what am I here to do? Or what am I going to do? It'll never happen. Mm-hmm. You just got to look at your world and with your eyes open. I think what you've just said is huge, huge value for everyone listening mm. who might be feeling a little bit lost or mm. like they might not be on the right path. Well, or I just whatever. think there's so much there's so much guff out there about finding purpose and doing this shit. But what is the actual practical thing? Mm-hmm. People talk about a lot about purpose and finding purpose. Like you know, give me a practical step to getting purpose. And the what you practical just, step is just do something different and fail at it, uh, uh, and then it starts, and then learn. Yeah, and then it starts. Then at least you're on the journey for discovery, mm-hmm. and um, you know something will happen. And do you, you know read lots, be open to new information, read loads of stories about what other people have done. Yep. You know, consume. Yeah, and just be open to whatever comes your way as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You shouldn't short of being like a yes person you mm-hmm. need to be saying yes to the idea of being open to lots of stuff and chatting to people or if you're a bit shy and a bit of an introvert that's okay use youtube and start watching other people's stories and videos read more the, the more you are active with your mind the more you'll wake up and the more things will be open to you and you'll see things that you've not seen before but the practical step would be do something in the evenings and weekends that's radically different to your nine to five yeah and if that's not possible in your nine to five, start thinking about your day completely differently. Definitely. How could you solve any number of problems? That's it. And I know that was a little bit of a digression mm. from price yeah, searching, sure, but sure. I think that's massive value and a real insight into how you think. Yeah. Uh, because what my assumption is now, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the way, the way you've just described a practical step on finding purpose is also something that you probably do day to day within Price Searcher. Yeah. Just to make sure that you're always on your toes and creating the most refined system and company. Yeah. To make sure that you're putting out stuff into the world that's going to well, this create that back, impact, right? Yeah, this comes back to the production line. If I wake up in the morning, I'm on a production line. I get up, do my ablutions, toilet, <laughs> brush my teeth, all that stuff. 
the usual. And I get out, put my coat on, and I'm on my production line to work. Mm-hmm. And all during that production line, I'm sat on that conveyor belt and I'm going through all the motions, getting passed from one thing to the other. The smart people will be looking at each step in that journey and wondering what can they change about it. Mm-hmm. And if you look at it at as granular level as that, then you're just wide open to new stuff. And, and then the possibilities are limitless. That's where the exciting stuff is, because yeah. you live for a eureka moment of, oh shit, we just saved this much money, we yeah. just saved this much time, we just cracked that problem we've not cracked before, or didn't even know about this was a problem and now we just discovered it. It's because we're out there putting ourselves out there. Awesome. No other reason. Amazing. And last couple of questions of course because I think this has been amazing so far thank you but what specific book or books do you think have really inspired your longer journey I know I'm sitting right next to your massive library (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I I do about there are two fundamental rules that I say have changed my life Mm mm-hmm I wake up at 5.30 every morning. Okay. And I'm out the door by 10 to or 6 o'clock and mm-hmm. I'm in the office at 7. I'm in two hours before anybody else. That's crucially important because... the brain or my my ability my agility and my alertness my best work is in that twilight zone mm-hmm. if you ever think about it like this you've had a tough day you go to sleep and you wake up and you just feel better because mm-hmm. you've rested yep but actually what's happened is those problems that you went to sleep with the brain has processed them through the night and you wake up early i wake up early i'm awake at the right time i'm alert and then i read So I read no more than half an hour to 40 minutes a day. Mm -hmm. And at that run rate, five days a week, half an hour a day, that is about a book a month. Okay. And that's a little bit addictive because once you've read your first book, like I didn't pick up books for years, like (laughs) seriously for years. And you just read the words on the page. Don't, Don't read a book to completely understand it. It's hard work just read the words on the page and the book absorbs you You'll be, it will absorb in mm-hmm. so I woke up early challenged I challenged myself I, I was waking up at 7 every day and I scaled it back 15 minutes a day okay to not try and kill myself yep. I thought okay 7 o'clock quarter to 7 half 6 and then all the way back till 5.30 mm-hmm. it's great I wake up straight out of bed I'm naturally awake I'm not groggy in any way and I'm at it and I'm at the door now when I get to the office at seven and the next time I see someone is usually around about half eight nine that peace of being awake being alert and worked and focused is epic mm-hmm. so waking up at 5.30 every day and reading half an hour a day in the morning those are the two things that changed my life fundamentally as on my path to being a good on, a, a good founder mm-hmm. the books that I've read and there have been many now, <laughs> are a wide range of subjects. Don't just read every business book out there. Yep. Read books about 
subjects. I prefer non-fiction yep. myself. So I read about anything to do with the mind, psychology, behavior, loads and different things. You know, I've read about all sorts of crazy, wonderful stories. I guess there if is, we had to pick one yeah, or two just that really... That really hit that. Let me have a look. Let me have a look. There are so many. Okay. There is one book that I would say you need to grab. And that one book is... No, Dips, I'm not going to rush into this. Hang on, I need to get this book right. Cause That's someone, fine. Someone buys it and it's shit. <laughs> then it's all your fault. And it's all my fault. <laughs> I'm trying to find the book that was epic. Just so you know, I'm not editing any of this out. This is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, one book, one book. Let me have a look at my books right now. Okay. I would suggest one book called Five Dysfunctions of Team. Okay. Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Mm-hmm. So that has been written by Patrick Lencioni. Uh, he's a consultant public speaker. And it's Five Dysfunctions of a Team. I found this book absolutely epic at understanding uh, how a team works. Yep. And real life examples of things to put into place. Mm-hmm. So five awesome. dysfunctions of team. I won't say too much about it, but it's a it's a nice smart read. You could definitely smash it out in a yeah. week. Okay, excellent. Um, if you focus on it, so that's about team and everything, which is obviously hugely important. In yeah, company. yeah. Fuck it. You know, we we are definitely founders and are able to maintain the founder position because of the team that help us do yep. it. Yeah, hundred percent. Second book. I'm reading a phenomenal book at the moment. Maybe I suggest that one. What is it? It's called Twelve Rules of Life. Okay, who's that by? Jordan Peterson. Okay. It's an epic book. I'm on like rule three already and it's taken me a long time to read it because it's actually the first time I've ever wanted to read a book to and understand absolutely it. absorb every word. <laughs> so Jordan Peterson, 12 Rules for Life is a great book. I'm reading that right now. So if anybody's reading it, I'd love to chat to them what they thought about it. Um, the next one is, we definitely can't distill this down into one book impossible okay book number three the first one that jumps out at you there's two <laughs> one is the founder's mentality okay one is the founder's mentality by, by uh zook allen mm-hmm. and the other one is absolutely i um, no i'm not gonna let you do this hard thing about hard things ben horowitz yep that's a great book um and then okay one and i'm done Extra is a book called Crucial Conversations. By? By three people. I've just got it written down as Patterson Bus 3. Fine. Crucial Crucial Conversations. conversations. So my my books would be Five Dysfunctions of... The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Yep. Crucial Conversations. Founders Mentality. Yep. And The Hard Thing About Hard Things. But go for Crucial Conversations. In fact, just do Crucial Conversations. There you go. Stop all the others. Buy (laughs) Crucial Conversations. Read it. Learn how to talk to people and then your jobs. And then and then when you do that, because half of this art of the game is talking to people. 100%. So crucial conversations. Awesome. Forget everything I just said. Crucial conversations. Start <laughs> It's going to cut out like 10 minutes yeah, of just, the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, like, it's hard work, but crucial conversations. Yeah. No, that's good. And look, you've given five books there, which for anyone listening. Yeah. Um, 12 like, Rules for Life is really strong. Don't don't take okay. on that one without working out on other books beforehand. Fine. So go crucial conversations yeah. first. Yeah. Then maybe one of the other four. One of the other and ones, then yeah. 
12 the wheels 12, for life. Yeah, yeah 12 wheels that for life. One, that's a bit of a head mess of that one. But awesome. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and then has there been any specific mentor for you that you think has really helped you or has this really been a journey of the self and kind of discovering what what and how you function as a founder? Everybody's a mentor. Okay. Everyone. If you look at everyone as a mentor, mm -hmm. your coworkers, your friends, your family, they're all mentors. You just need to change the way you look at them. And that's a real drop of the ego there. Yeah, just, you know, people who are quote unquote not achieving based mm -hmm. on society, I, they could be achieving in just another way. Their kids yeah. could be great, which means they're achieving as a parent. How, yeah. why, what are you doing that's different? What can you um, learn? Yeah, because I'm a parent of three. Yeah. And, you know, that you're just surrounded by so many people that are achieving in so many ways that just don't don't benchmark what that level of success is. Mm -hmm. They're all mentors and talk to everyone. You can have close relationship mentors, you know, one particular business guru or one person that's taking you under their wing. Take that, be that person's right hand side, do the you know, learn everything you can. But I don't have a specific mentor. I have aspirations like yep. You know, I admire the big business names, the Musks, the Jobs, the Bezoses, the Gateses of the world in my field, in my mm -hmm. tech world. I admire what they've done and what they've achieved. I admire everybody who's gone through a round of funding ahead of me mm -hmm. and survived. And I admire everyone who hit rock bottom and came out of it smiling and are on to the next thing. Yeah. They're all everywhere. If you try if you define a mentor to one person, then I would say that that one person surely can't be everything. Yeah. One person cannot be everything. And to exist as a founder in my life, in my world, in my vision and my kind of experiences, there is, there is, there's beauty in the diversity of seeing everybody that, mm -hmm. as a mentor. I love that. Yeah. That's a very different answer to what I would have expected. I think. That's... Yeah. Most people are like, Oh yeah, I've got this mentor who's done yeah. it before me, but, and they may have been a success mm -hmm. and you want to emulate that success but that emulation of that level of success is already at its own ceiling yeah what what's to stop you going further different angle wider you know solving different level of problems just have as many people around you as possible as you can and, and kick out the ones that are just useless for yep. you keep only the good people you know yeah, it's rule number three actually in Jordan Peterson's which book. is exactly where you are right now yeah it's only keep people around you that are good for you that's awesome yeah just kick out all the rest alright I've, I've loved this session massively and last question yeah as many as you like <laughs> we can go all night sure man sure <laughs> what are the top three pieces of advice that would that you would give now to yourself just as you were starting Price Searcher after the journey you've been through, after everything mm. you've learned, mm. what are the top three pieces of advice you'd give yourself? Top three, top three, top three. I think number one is stay paranoid. Yep. Keep you on your toes. Mm -hmm. Don't get complacent. Number two would be maintain the production line. Stay focused to the delivery of the business and the delivery of the goals and the delivery of the KPIs. Mm -hmm. And number three would be do not lose sight of that mission. I'd probably just flip that order around completely. But the mission 
have it, own it, consume it, and and wear it. Yeah, it's a badge of honor. Don't ever drop the mission for any reason whatsoever. Execute the mission with a production line. Is the you know, and then um, uh, whether it's three or four, I would definitely say be really good at scouting talent to mm -hmm. work with. Not everybody has got. Not everyone can do what they say they're going to do. Mm -hmm. Hire people to tell you what to do. Don't hire don't don't hire people and tell them what to do. You mm -hmm. need to hire people at a level that are giving you this this crucial advice to help you. And you know, it's like you know, what book would you say? There's just shitloads of advice. But I would stick with <laughs> the mission. I would stick with definitely execute at speed. Mm -hmm. Don't be slow. And I would definitely say be paranoid about it. It's awesome. it's meant to hurt, and it hurts for good reason. If you're enjoying it too much, then you know I need to know what Kool Aid you're drinking because I want some. <laughs> but on the other side, it, it's gotta hurt. This is this is a this is a the reality of it. Yeah, it's a reality, but also it's its own thing, right? This is this is the life we've chosen. It's the path we've chosen. Can we ever do any other one? I hope we I hope we don't find out. Yeah, awesome. Now, Price Searcher is in its third round of funding yeah. at the moment. Yeah. Um, I'm going to open this out to you for mm. anyone listening who might be inspired or interested by Yeah, you. I need two and a half million quid from everybody that's listening. So, Excellent. you know, it's two and a half million quid, maybe five million. I just need that. Phone you for the bank account details. That's it. I'll cut you in on the deal. Awesome. But I think, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm on the third round of funding. We are going to be developing our apps next. Yep. So we want to be releasing those uh, within the next kind of six to eight months. Mm -hmm. And we want to, the immediate goal is to raise that money, double the size of the team, mm -hmm. get into a new office, and then, uh, you know, new founder funding, new problems. Yep, definitely. And yeah. for anyone that is genuinely interested, yeah, do you have a minimum amount for investment or anything like that? Or is it? No, and the, uh, it's funny. I've pitched for 10k, like I've pitched for a million. Okay. So, I think it's important to know that if you are an investor and you are interested in a tech opportunity, hit me up. Yep. Or because uh, I'm a very cheap date, <laughs> I just need to listen to the deck. But the other, th the other thing is, is that um, you know, if you have never invested before, but it sounds that you're interested go invest somewhere else first yep price searcher is a huge machine and uh it's incredibly time sensitive so no i think the right thing to say would be there is no minimum okay if you're if you're prepared to put your capital at risk and you've thought about what you're doing then seek some advice yep and then if that advice is yielding you uh, a continued interest then i think the best thing is to get in touch with you awesome and uh like i said earlier price searcher is uh, free to use yeah. for every yeah, yeah, consumer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just go so to pricesearcher.com and start typing stuff into that search box and then tell me what's going on. Get it in there and yeah. save yourself some money on any products you're buying. Yeah, yeah. Get yeah. the Chrome extension. Yeah, so about 80% of everything to buy in the UK is in, in Price Searcher right now. Awesome. And that's about 150 million products from 10,000 retailers. I'm so sure you'll find something. Sky about 15 times the size of Google Shopping. Jesus. And 100 times the size of any other site of its ilk. Well, yeah. there you go. Yeah, yeah. Dump, jump in two feet. Go for it. Let me know. Get into Price Searcher and tell me what your experience is like. 
Did it help you? Did it not help you? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it is it right? Is it wrong? What are the feelings you're getting? I need to know your feelings. Did it do what you wanted it to do? And if not, why not? I'm I'm acutely aware. I'm acutely open for business on these things that aren't working for us that we can improve. Awesome. Samuel, thank you so much for being on this episode. Thank you, thank you, and thank you. And I found it super useful, super insightful. Yeah, I right. hope that everyone listening has Hopefully. gained some serious value from this. I hope so. Um, and I look forward to seeing how Price Search becomes the beast that you have in mind for it. Yeah, otherwise we book a podcast in for how did it go wrong. Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? Every every opportunity to learn. Yeah, 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 right? yeah. There's something to learn. Yeah, check me out. <laughs> See where I am in six months. Awesome. Thanks a lot, man. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Mindful Creator Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and you got some value from it, I'd really, really appreciate a review. And don't forget to share this podcast with friends, family, colleagues, anyone that you think could benefit. Thanks again. Have an amazing day and stay visionary.